0: Gabba Gabba Hall Records and Vintage Goods, located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina.
1: and CDs, and CDs The Poison boys, the boys single Vinyl records, they got vinyl
0: records Captain Un is coming soon He's in the village, faces from the villains. All kinds of crazy shit Oh baby, that was my main man with Hal and his soul, Mr. Hobato And if you want to check out all that crazy shit that the Hobo Wolfman has in his sack Head on over to hobowolfmanrecords.com don't forget to use code GABBAGABBA at checkout for 30% off your entire order. But heads up, you might want to check with Danny before you order to make sure he's got what you want in stock, as he currently don't have access to all of his stock. He should have it soon, and he'll definitely let you know when he's got it back. That's Hope WolfmanRecords.com, baby! You are now listening to the Gabbagabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolinas underground music scene your host mike phillips of van huskins hey there and welcome to gabby Gabby hunt talks episode 51 a clip show so just to let you know what this episode is about these are some clips that were cut from the episodes that recently aired now if you subscribe to my patreon you've probably heard all this before but i'm putting some music in there so go ahead and listen anyway but if you don't subscribe to the patreon this is an idea of what you miss as a matter of fact, some episodes have well over an hour of stuff like this cut, and a lot of it's really good stuff. I was hoping to have a regular Talks episode for you this week, but it just didn't happen. Working on something for this weekend, and I've got a backup plan if everything else falls through. On the plus side, this one's kind of short. The last time I did this, I think I built it as a radio episode. This time, I'm going to build it as a Talks episode, just to see if it gets a little bit more run. Anyway, you guys enjoy it.
2: Yeah, man, this this has been it's been really cool being able to talk about this stuff. You know? yeah. I feel like I doing this for whatever pushing 30 years now and it's just like trying to make sense of a lot of the stuff myself because it's always been from one project to another yeah. it's just like man is there any kind of narrative here i feel like i've done stuff in kind of a weird order and yeah
0: i mean, it's it definitely and i always feel like so i think about this in the scheme of like you know when i talk to people i work with about the podcast i do it i tell them i'm doing this is about local music and- mm-hmm. They don't know anything about this stuff. It's like, oh, okay, that's cool. But, yeah. You know, like I said, these, I think they're important stories, and they're stories that wouldn't get told otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that everybody really enjoys talking about this stuff, because, you know, we talk about 30, 30 years of music, and it's, in the grand scheme of things, it's very inconsequential what we do. Absolutely. You know, no nobody outside of this area knows who we are, or what what our bands are, or anything like that. You know, maybe some people, were in Salvo Reign from other areas of the country, but It's still important stuff, and it's still good stories, and and you don't have to be – you don't have to sell a million records to have a good story to tell.
2: Yeah, I think uh, that's always a thing when you're trying to justify what you do to other people if you have, like, a career or something else going on. I mean, it's a major time commitment for one thing, but trying to explain people why you do it when um, there definitely isn't any kind of financial reward. Exactly, yeah. And especially past the point where it's sort of like, you know, I guess, I guess maybe like you know, it's probably been a, a decade or more ago when I realized, man, I'm probably going to be doing this forever. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it, it never, it was definitely never a thing that I planned on doing forever. You know, I mean, when I was younger, I thought oh, it would be great to make a lot of money off this and this would be my career. Yeah.
0: But of course, I've always played Park Rock, so I never really thought that that was a possibility. You know, once I realized that I couldn't play guitar like Eddie Van Halen, I pretty much gave up on that dream.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, I just never i never considered anything was going to be like a career as far as this goes, but, you know, I, I did, I'm still surprised that it just kind of kept going somehow. Yeah,
0: I think the same, too. When I look back on it, I, think, I don't think when I was a teenager that I thought, oh, I'll play music for the rest of my life. I think at the time I thought, this is something fun to do. And, and I I mean, I'm kind of glad that I made it last for 30 years, and I hope I make it last for another 30 years.
2: I'm, You know, it might be the last generation of bands might have been, like, the generation from, like, five or ten years ago. Because I'm, I'm looking around now, and it just seems like, you know, well, Rock Hill's got, you know, Winthrop University, and, you know, generally half the bands that are writing their own stuff, they're people, kids who are parked at Winthrop for four years. Yeah. But it's just like, I, it feels like they're, uh, unless I'm, finally just so far out of the loop that I don't know what the hell is going on anymore. It doesn't seem like there's, there are any new bands right now.
3: It's
0: kind of weird. Are, there are, there's a few of them. Um, a lot of them are playing stuff that was popular in the nineties, mm-hmm. like the, the, uh, true Lilith, uh, the Walburns, Wilma, those, those three bands are all really young mm-hmm. like, to tw- around 20, some of them younger, some of them older, but they're all playing like nineties inspired stuff. Um, there's a band called Mutant Strain from Charlotte. They're mm-hmm. young. They're really young. They're playing just pure punk rock. I mean, it's like, it's
2: yeah, it, it's it's always awesome. So there, there's, there's there's a few out there, but there's just there's not a lot. There's not a lot. Yeah, it just seems like even if you're like 17 or 18 and you start a band, you have to know even at that age now. If you're that age now, you have yeah. to know that what you're doing is inc- it's such a niche. Yeah, that oh, like, yeah. Because like everything now, I mean, if you look at like. Even, like, really mainstream stuff, if you look at what constitutes, like, a Billboard Top 40 chart now, you don't see bands. Yeah. It's all, like, uh, it's very producer-driven, usually just, like, one person and a laptop, you know? It just seems like the whole landscape of that stuff has changed so much just in the past few years. Well, I know that, like, just even being in a band doesn't have quite the cachet it used to have. Yeah. Just because
0: most people just think that not people don't play in bands
1: anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I like, some of my friends from high school, they're just amazing. I'm still actually playing music. You play music still? Like,
2: I love it. Yeah. It's like, it's my life. Yeah. I'm actually gotten to the point too. like at work, you know, it's like, you know, I'm almost like, it's like the reverse of like self hype. Like I'm almost ashamed to be like, you know I mean? It's like, not that you won't come out and have a good time and not that you won't even, you might really dig what I'm into and what I'm doing. But at the same time, it's just weird to get the conversational ball rolling yeah. with somebody you don't know that well and be like, hey, man, um, my band is playing at this <laughs> It's just, you know.
0: I usually totally downplay it these days whenever I'm talking to somebody about, yeah, I played a band and... Yeah, whatever, blah, blah, Oh, really? What, can I come see you? Uh you wouldn't like us. <laughs> or or I'll say, we'll play a show at the Milestone in, in uh, July, but, you know, we'll play at Freeman's eventually. Yeah. You, you won't have to drive far to see us. That's usually the way I set it up for people around here. I'm like, wait till we play at Freeman's because you don't have to drive far and you won't feel like you wasted
2: your time. Or whatever. Mother, you tried to hold me close. save good Lord made me naked for a reason. On a bender when the cord was snicked I slurred my name through every drunken season
1: There's a seed in my head Better move or I'm dead Did I feel you? I spit some blood in the sink Part of you I think I wanna tell you I'll shut it down before it comes out wrong
2: I'll shut it down before it comes out wrong Sister, she tried to show me my reflection She held up her little mirror and it cracked Brother, I guess he's always gonna spite me. Says he lost his favorite
1: knife in my back There's sea in my head, better move or I'm dead Did I feel you? I spit some blood and I sink Part of you I think I wanna tell you I'll shut it down before it comes out wrong Shut it down before it comes out wrong
2: Mother, I swear some cobwebs from the closet Well, I guess it's time to divvy up the flame It took me half an afternoon to find a card and sign my name I'll
1: I'll shut it down before it comes out wrong I'll shut it down before it comes out wrong I'll shut it down before it comes out wrong I'll sort it down before it comes
4: out. That, that's something that Chris and I always talked about doing and we never did. We always stayed in clubs, but but there was a there was a time that we weren't we weren't getting along with Tremont mm-hmm. and the milestone wasn't an option at that time because yeah. it was having one of its dark periods yeah. and and I think Fat City was gone. Probably yeah. maybe. I don't remember. But but we were having we, we were having problems with, with Tremont and so we we ended up playing at the Misty Mountain you know, cafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's where we did our CD release party. I told that story last time, but but we talked about doing it in an armory mm-hmm. because you know you, you have like I mean Charlotte, good God, there's like so many like tfw and armory halls. You know, run right around the corner from our apartment. I'm like, oh, we can just have it over on Central, yeah, you know, and just throw a show and you know. And I mean, I don't know. Did you guys get insurance and stuff, or how did you? Uh, whatever we or had just to get, just go for we it. it. We just went for <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that,
0: we, we that paid our something. deposit and whatever. Yeah, I think there was a rental fee plus a deposit. We paid that, and then we got our deposit back
4: at the end. Oh, right on. Yeah, see, that's that is something. Honestly, that's something that that I always, always, I always wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I always wanted to do an armory show, and we just never did it back in the day. And I'd forgotten all about it until I heard you talking about it uh, on the, on the podcast. And I was like, oh man, they did the armory shows. I, I so I'm it, like, totally.
0: <laughs> if we hadn't gotten in over at Heretics as early as we did, or if we had started playing earlier, we probably would have done a lot more of that. But it's like we did a had a show at our practice space the year before that, and then yeah. like for the next year, okay, we got to start playing shows. But we weren't we tried, couldn't get into any of the clubs yet, and yeah, it was like yeah. well, let's just do our own. And so we just that's that's the way we decided to do it. And then we started playing at Heretics, and that was like, oh, we don't need to set up our own shows anymore because they yeah. if we wanted to book a show, we could call them and and they'd let us pick a day and we would do sure. it. Sure.
4: I think I went to Heretics one time. I think there I went there once. Yeah. I don't think I ever. I, I think I went there. Um, Hope Nichols band. I want to say it was when she was still in Sugar Snack. Yeah, but, probably so. But but I went to see them there, and I think that was the only time I went to Heretics. I didn't I didn't see any of the Mad Brother Ward stuff or or any of that you know any of that jazz. That although I've heard those stories like a million times, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm very familiar with that. I feel like I was at those shows. Yeah you know but but you know cuz <laughs> it's a legendary some legendary shows there but um but yeah, we were—I mean, we were a lot the same way, except that we didn't throw VFW shows. It would be—we threw shows in people's backyards yeah. or, or, you know, out in Lincoln and stuff. We'd have friends. that, Oh yeah, you can—you know—we'll throw—we'll throw up a stage in the backyard and mm-hmm. let's have a bunch of people and do shows like that. And but then once we started booking at the milestone and stuff, it was like, oh, we don't really need to do that anymore. You know, we can just come here and they've already got a PA and we yeah. don't have to build a stage and it's cool. And we won't have to have to worry about the cops showing up and running everybody off. <laughs> you know, if that was a frequent problem. Back in the day, you know, with some of the underground shows, you know. But, but, you know, but I feel like, to get back to my point, is that I feel like...
3: Like I was saying earlier, the uh, it, when he was talking about you know going to different towns and all that when we were you know teenagers, I the those albums I had that were stuck together, mm-hmm. I showed you the Circle Jerks and yeah. Fear and uh, Bad Brains. It was uh, that group Sex one We We bought. <laughs> I, I could not wait. Our in our eighth grade, we had a field trip to Raleigh. Mm-hmm. It was, like, whole weekend or end of a week or to something. Peace College. Peace College, Planetarium, and all that. And, uh, and I looked up, and I was like, dude, the mall where the record store that we can go to is, like, right close to the hotel we're staying yeah. in. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we ended up, like, at that. And to me, like, that trip, I mean, I had a good time on that trip. It was, like, cool things that happened. Yeah. You know, it's great for us both. But, like, um, that trip to me, when I think about it, is the, the time that I got to the mall to buy... You know, to the record store. Wow, I think about that. Like when I think about being in high now school and like, going oh. on
0: field trips and stuff, we would always, if there was any place that had cassettes or records yeah. or CDs, we we would seek it out. We would, if we were on a field trip, we almost always came back with music somehow.
3: That's what it was. Yeah, you know, when we did that. <laughs> and now it's just like, like your to your point. What are they doing? Because yeah. we spent a lot of time arranging, or you know, <laughs> like arranging how to get there. Yeah, and thought about for now. It's just like. Okay, point pull find out. What'd you say? You know, it's a Nick Heist. It's right there. Yeah. Yep.
5: Yeah. So. Uh, in ninth grade, in seventh, eighth grade, I played sports and stuff. But by the end of the eighth grade, we were getting into skateboarding and stuff. And I, I sort of was over the sports thing. And I was really skating a lot, or wanting to skate a lot, dreaming of it probably more than doing it, but trying to get it going. But freshman year at North Ardell, <laughs> I became a manager. For the football team, just because on Friday night I knew that the football team came into town and they would eat their dinner the dinner before mall. at the at the mall <laughs> S- before the football game, <laughs> so I could tag along and get the dinner at the Western Steer. But I could also get to the record bar in the mall. Right. <laughs> uh, and one of the first records I bought on a Friday night football trip was "Give Them Enough Rope." Yeah, you know um, what I mean. Yeah. I was like. Oh fucking the Clash! Yeah, ne- never heard. I know they're supposed to be good. Never heard it. Mm, yeah. Here's one of their records.
3: You were gonna say punk? I heard. I saw it. Was <laughs> it <right. laughs> <laughs> <they punk>? No. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Like, I
0: wonder, like, because when we were to to that point, when I was a kid, there were a lot of times that I would just have heard about a band. I've just heard their name. I don't really even know what they're supposed to be like. But I've heard about them. They're, they're, this is supposed to be a good band. Or I'll see a record cover and be like, yeah. oh, i got to buy that. Just because that album cover is so bad, the song titles just look like something I'm going to be into. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can still kind of do that same thing on Spotify these days. But, you know, are kids really finding those diamonds in the rough because of that? Or is it just they're just listening to whatever they hear on I don't know what they watch these days. Where, where they listen yeah. to music? YouTube. Where, I guess it's on TikTok. They find new music on TikTok, TikTok or whatever. YouTube. I don't know. But it's just, I, I don't know. I, I can't <laughs> quite relate. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of the things that we did when we were younger, younger. and right. not, not like it wasn't being done before we were younger, too. <laughs> yeah. there, were, there were a lot of generations before us that did the same things, but it's just, it's
5: that's gone, and it may never come back. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah it's just a different time. It's weird. It, it's It's... It's a blessing and a curse to have the entire music world catalog in your pocket.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, like, I love being you know, able to pull the, my phone out of my pocket, being able to listen to the Cramps or Creative Clearwater Revival. It's sort uh, of, yeah, uh, on you know, at whenever I want to. It's but, sort of
5: like uh, it's sort of like Zoom, right? Like you're watching I mean, another Jetsons reference, but you're watching the Jetsons, and they're as a kid in the '80s, and they're talking. To yeah. They're seeing each other on TV, and they're talking to each other on TV, and the TV is like, you know, TV in the 80s is something you watch. Yeah. You didn't touch it. Yeah. You watched yeah. it, right? But on the Jetsons, they're talking on the screen, and you're like, man, that's so futuristic. That'd be the fucking coolest thing ever. Until it happens. Yeah. And you're on Zoom. And, you hate and you're like, oh, man, this is the worst. You know, it's like, <laughs> could it be worse? You know, yeah. being on, like, having to be in meetings and shit on Zoom, just, like, at first, like, you know, it was, like, the pandemic hit, and everybody went to Zoom, and it's, like, the novelty was gone in, like, four days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we were all in this together, and Zoom is pretty cool lasted about four days, yeah, and, yeah. and everybody's, like, you know, it just, it, I was, like, oh, I spent a whole year on Zoom, and, you know, just doing everything, and it's like, I don't know, like, I developed a system that I could deal with it and how to, like, make sure that, you know I mean? I wasn't Zooming too many times, too close together, (laughs) you know? It's like giving breaks in between Zoom meetings and stuff like that. But, yeah, to your point, it's like that's what, again, I feel like that's almost like what, you know, you think about going back to when we were kids and, you know, it's like, Late seventies, early eighties. You had records. You had the radio. Mm. You had cassettes. You had eight tracks. Yeah. Maybe that's it, right? I don't think anything else. Maybe a dap machine or a reel to reel. I mean, reel to reel. right. But now, if if you would have if you would have come to me in like nineteen eighty five and been like, dude, one of these days you're going to be able to take that little mixtape of yours and it's going to be every song that you want in your pocket on demand and you don't even have to rewind (laughs) to listen to your favorite song again, right? And you're like, that sounds like the dream. But then you get it and I see both sides of it because it is the dream, right? Like if I'm mowing the grass or whatever, like I make a mixtape or you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's all right there and I love it. I have things I listen to when I drive. Like, I listen to your podcast a lot when I'm driving. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Things like that. But from a music perspective, it's awesome, right? Cause calls like, oh, what was that song? Oh yeah, got it right here. Yeah. Right? All oh, that's great. But then you factor in everything that we've been talk- talking about. The other side of it is like, well now, you're so saturated, like nothing is special anymore. You know what I mean? Too many too many options. Too much saturation of everything. <laughs> I, I don't know man, I think it's like it's like going to like the ice cream shop and you gotta pick a flavor. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> you have to pick flavor for a reason because if you could put every fucking flavor on one cone, it would probably taste awful. Yeah, yeah. You know? So you gotta pick the one flavor, but how do you do it? How do you how do you get your stuff in front of people? How do you get your songs in the ice cream store so they can't pick that flavor anyway?
0: Yeah, it's just one of those debates. I think that that no matter which way we hit it from, we'll never quite figure it out. And, and
1: yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I do see some some bright spots. Like like I said, going out to shows here recently, I've seen a lot of people coming out, and it's people that were coming out before, and they seem to appreciate it more. And then there's also these these new people coming out that I don't know where they come from but I'm happy to have them out there and I hope they stick around yeah. so maybe, maybe things will start changing a little bit maybe I, I was honestly hoping that the pandemic would change a lot more than it did like I thought people would kind of I don't know start appreciating things a little bit more but it didn't seem to have, seemed to have the opposite effect on, on a lot of people so I don't know this might be temporary but I'm just going to take advantage of it while I can and hope, hope, hope for the best in the long run
6: on the podcast before but there's some literature that supports this there's a a, a pretty good like um i'm trying to think of how to express this and be as accurate as possible i guess i just have to tell a story um i hope i have the right record i can't remember if it's it's drastic or ep royalty but then i've seen seven inch mm-hmm. a batch of them i think i want to say it's ep royalty a, a batch of them It's whichever one has She's Part of the Scene on it. I know that. The song She's Part of the Scene. A batch of those went to Seattle, and a bunch of people over there claimed that that, they bought those and that that helped the grunge thing. They heard that anti-scene sound, and they were just like, whoa, Like, "Yeah, let's do punk, but fuzz it out and slow down. And that helped form that shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of well documented. There's uh, in in that Destructo Maximus book, it's talked about. Now some people, I'm pretty sure the Mudhoney guys have talked about that. Oh, before. I can see that. Yeah. And um I know Nirvana passed through Charlotte one time and knew who Anisim was, and they hung out with Greg and they let him in backstage just because he had Anisim shirt. And they're like Anisim. He's like, that's my brother's band. Yeah. And I think Greg was in maybe in the band at the time or about to be, and, and they hung out with him, let him in, and like, but there's some rumor that, so I'm just saying, you know, it's funny to talk about, but Charlotte may have had a hand in the grunge thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. From that would make, that I've that heard.
0: Us, it makes sense. I mean, just, just that's no weird as that shit. It, and...
6: That's strange to me. Like, yeah. There's, there's like, <laughs> man, when grunge come out, and like, I was oblivious to it until like a couple years after, because I was like listening to Michael Jackson and shit. Yeah. But that's who dethroned his ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then I started hearing it, you know, and, uh, I don't know what people like reminisce about now, but I, to me, I don't, I don't think it was as popular here as they think. I think it took a couple of years, but to think that something went from here out there and then influence that and it come back, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just, it's, it's strange to me, but I, I like that idea. Um, there's a guy that used to be in that Bangkok noose that was friends with I Seen mm-hmm. That uh, he ended up in the Flaming Lips. And uh, there's all these weird connections, man. Tom O'Keefe from Anacin's Weezer's tour manager. Yeah, we were just talking about him last night. It's weird as shit, man. Uh, we were watching. I was watching Yo Gabba Gabba with my kids, and Weezer was on there, and my daughter started asking about them, and I was like, oh, I know their tour manager, <laughs> <laughs> man. My daughter has the most inflated view. Of what I do in the music world, <laughs> <No. laughs> she didn't understand. I, like struggle probably, to get three I'll, people to listen. My to dad them. knows Biz Marquee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Biz Marquee. but I know people that's connected to that show. Yeah. Like, yeah,
0: maybe DJ <clears throat> Lance. Maybe,
6: <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, some people I know in Raleigh know him and and know the. Oh, I man, I know some people connected <clears throat> to to Devo and stuff. Oh yeah, Michael Pilger for one malcolm 10 is too he's he's done some recording with i'm i've done i've done a lot of um like mixing and mastering work for malcolm it's hard to remember i'm pretty sure i did something that he did with with some like prior devo members on it and and things i never got into devo but i'm kind of like um a little bit fascinated when other people talk about them because I, i know some some people that are Really sold on them and stuff. When I listen to them, I, I always enjoy it, but I, I don't. I don't know why nothing ever sticks out. Yeah. Like I hear it, and I'm like, man, it's some of the damn Titus playing, and uh, <laughs> you know the top the topics of the lyrics and stuff are kind of cerebral and stuff. I'm, I'm like enthralled in a way, but I never go back to them. Only when my friends start talking about how great they were, do I like bust something out and listen to it. Yeah, I, I think they're great. I think
0: I, I have a lot of respect for them, but it's just not my cup of tea. But maybe I just hadn't. Got it, yeah. Sometimes you don't get things to. I think it's a thing
6: that clicks with some people yeah. and don't with others. That's the way they talk about it. Like it either just like grabs you or Well don't. they're not
0: like a heavily guitar oriented band, so that I can I can see that. I've always I've always liked them. It kinda goes back to my childhood, but even as when I got to be a teenager and discovered like their older stuff, like all the it was like, Oh, okay, yeah, this band really
6: it, they click with me. They're one of my favorite, uh,
0: five, probably put them in my top 10. They They're play so good.
6: tight. It's almost mechanical, yeah. man, which is, it's for some people, but not for others too. Yeah, but exactly. I, I, that's kind of what I appreciate about it. honestly, I'm like, Damn, and it's, it's punk like, rock like, without like, really being yeah. punk rock. I mean,
0: without being like guitars and screaming and stuff, it's, it's, uh,
6: it's definitely its own little thing. <laughs> I think it's like a miracle. they were like a, you know, r- like reach the, Level they did, oh, so it's I not mean, for everybody, it's a niche thing. Mark <laughs> Mothers Ball does music for like Nickelodeon these days, and, yeah. He's, yeah, so he's and, behind you know, that he Yo Gabba does, Gabba, he does, Gabba he does all kinds about. of stuff.
0: Yeah, he does go yeah. Yo Gabba Gabba, he does all kinds of stuff. It's it's crazy.
6: Maybe Gabba Gabba, huh? Should have Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> oh. take a Yo Piss.
0: <laughs> well, I would love to have uh, like kind of tie that in somehow, not necessarily Yo Gabba Gabba, but like Mark Mothers Ball. Style.
7: I can
8: Shows at the end of days either before I left. Yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of just I don't know. It's like pulling teeth to get me out.
0: There was a time for me like that. It was just hard to get out. But now, now it's like I, I go out all the time, and I and I live like 30-45 minutes from all the shows too. So
4: yeah, I think I think
8: now you know now that you know my daughter's eleven and you know Finn's older. I mean, if if we lived there, I mean I'd be dragging Finn out to shows. Yeah. Hell, he'd be he'd be getting his own shows like crazy, and everybody's extra equipment, you know.
1: Oh, yeah.
8: <laughs> got equipment all over Charlotte. I mean, like, I think Gus has got like an old amp of mine, and Alex has one or two, and I left some in the Chris uh, practice space that we used to sing out of and stuff. That that space that was under the uh, old Milestone Records and the Chinese yeah. restaurant. Yeah, you know that. Uh, somebody was talking about that on one of the podcasts. Like, yeah, I think that was on the Jeff Williams episode. Yeah, that's where U- Ublish practiced under there. And uh, yeah, one time they washed the floors, and like all our equipment was just covered in like oh. dirty water, yeah. dirty water. It was ugh. <laughs> I guess it just came in around the drains or something, so through yeah. the floor or something. But yeah, but, I don't know. But if we were there, I'd be like, hey, you got that old amp? <laughs> <You know? laughs> With a bunch of equipment. He'd have a whole, you know, two full stacks or some shit. <laughs> I do miss the Ooblish, though. That yeah. was
0: fun. It was a good band. It was a really good band.
8: Then do the MP three so you can you can get some stuff off of yeah, there.
0: Yeah, definitely, I was I I just played an Ooblish song on the last radio episode I did, and I said something about how i pretty much played all the songs from that seven inch already. So okay. unless there was something else out there that might be the last time I played Ooblish. I mean you know in in my I mean the C D
8: is just so much better. I mean it was it was recorded at Reflections. Mm-hmm. The only reason it was recorded at Reflections is because I printed a lot of stuff for Reflections, and Kelly offered to hook us up. Oh, okay, yeah. So we went in there, and um, Tracy Tracy Schroeder did it because he loved you know he loved you know heavy bands and hard music and stuff, and sometimes he'd have to go do gospel bands in the fucking church they had down the street that was also a recording studio, you know. But yeah. like really fun for him to do because it's something he liked, and and uh, but Tracy and Dave courier i think his name was they were uh they helped us do all the recording and stuff and then uh dave uh who's the guy that does the mastering dave god damn i heard his name on a podcast the other day um well there's a guy that does all the mastering in charlotte or a lot of the mastering in charlotte and he's uh, he was fantastic
0: to work with too trying to think of the name but i'm not sure
3: oh my gosh
0: well his name's dave Dave Hare. Okay, yeah.
8: It'll be Dave Hare, studio beat. There it is. Still can't think of that band, though.
0: <laughs> It'll come to you as soon as we end this, and you'll be sending me a text like or a message on Facebook. Well, you will. All, all night long, you're going to get little snippets
8: of, like, oh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter, but it's driving me crazy. Yeah. I didn't talk much about the Oakland Avenue. Um, but that's the house that uh, Buzz Oven had lived in, yeah. and goes there sometimes. And you know, like like No Effects played off Sunny Side, which is like kind of off Se- Se- Seventh Street. Yeah, um, No Effects had played there on their Liberal Animation tour, and I, I didn't go. I didn't know about it, but there were some guys like Scott Major that I had mentioned, and uh, there was a guy called uh, Dave Dreadful. Who lives in Myrtle Beach been in Myrtle Beach for a zillion years now um but they were really cool older dudes like that uh were nice to us young guys and uh but I bought the No Effects album and uh a band called No Mind from Canada I bought those from Dave Dreadful he was doing like a little disco way back in the day when I was in high school yeah but um but that Oakland Avenue house like later on anti-scene or Jeff Clayton lived there yeah and uh, it was a, a really fun place to go for a long time. Now you drive by it it's all super nice. <laughs> oh, land, <laughs> <laughs> But back in the day, somebody would be sitting on the porch smoking cigarettes. That you know,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like all of Charlotte, though. Back in the day, it used to be something cool. Now it's all fancy and gentrified. And
8: Yes, it is. That's, yeah. that's super weird. I mean, you know, I grew up in North Charlotte all my life. You know, that was... Most of, most everything I did was uh, well, either e- either to drive forty five minutes across town to hang out with your friends who were into the same thing you were, or you just sat in North Charlotte by yourself.
1: I'm But if I know that it's just wrong, I'll
0: Gabba Gabba Hunt Media Production
4: And finally
0: John Wayne Bobbitt Is going to be An adult film star He has been signed To play himself In the John Wayne Bobbitt story The part of his Severed penis Will be portrayed By Polly Shore (laughs) And that's all for now Good night And good luck